So the message this morning is that I'm going to try to endeavor to bring is evangelism versus control and caring. Think about that. Evangelism versus caring and controlling. But before we go any farther, what is an evangelist and what is evangelism? Can anyone tell me what that is? Don't feel like there's a, yes, uh, a, uh, an answer that has to be exactly word for word. Just give me an answer to evangelism. Can somebody give me evangelism this morning? Somebody give me a word of evangelism. What about an evangelist? Okay. Well, I'm going to go to Smith's Bible Dictionary, and it gives, a, it gives a dictionary in this way. Quote, in the New Testament, the evangelists appear on one hand after the apostles and prophets, on the other before the pastors and the teachers. They probably stood between the two. Then we go to Acts 2, 21 and 8, where Philip is spoken as an evangelist, and Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, where here he's speaking of God giving out the, apostle, the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, all for the edifying and the bringing up of the church. So, so that's some of it. Let's move on a little farther. Now, the work of an evangelist, according to Smith's Bible Dictionary, is the proclamation of the glad tidings or the good news to those who have not known them rather than the instruction and pastoral care of those who have believed and been baptized it follows also that the name denotes a work rather than an order so an evangelist is an individual who's about doing God's business it's not just the title but his work you were over, sister, the Vacation Bible School um, this year, and so there was some work involved in getting that done. You had all the people who were also servants, and you're gonna, I'm going to get into this in just a little bit, with you, and they were all a part of this, this work that was done. But each of you were a part of the work of evangelistic works uh, with the kids this summer. Uh, in that, uh, that ministry. So you were, or you are, an evangelist. So what, hold on, just hold on. We're going to get to where I'm going. So you are an evangelist, and you are an evangelist, and you, if you're saying you're an evangelist, and you're an evangelist, and you're an evangelist, if you're sharing the word. I'll get to that in just a second. So we have a lot of evangelists here this morning. So it's not just a title. It's about what you're doing for Jesus. Its use is nearly like our own word, what we use, missionary. Now, is it making sense now as I'm coming to read this out? The evangelist might or might not be a bishop, elder, or a deacon. The apostles, so far as they evangelized, you can read this on your own time, Acts 8 and 25, 14 and 7, 1 Corinthians 1 and 17, might claim the title, though there were many evangelists who were not apostles. So now can you accept the title as an evangelist if you're a saint? So evangelist, evangelism is the work of an evangelist. We're going to get to that in just a second here. I wanted to read some definition and get to some things here because we need to understand that we are all ministers of reconciliation, which makes us evangelists. 
in the kingdom of God. If you are called by the name, been bought by the blood, been baptized in the water, you are an evangelist of the word. It is incumbent upon each of us this morning as a people of God to share what we've got. You've heard the saying, sheep bear sheep. Listen, once you have been baptized into the kingdom of Christ and you have taken on that life, it is not something that is asked of you. It is commanded of you to go ye out therefore teaching and baptizing them concerning the things of God. So there again, you and I this morning are evangelists. We are all ministers of the work of Christ. Now here's what Paul said. Here's how Paul did it. Talking to young Timothy, his son in Christ, in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 7, Paul said it this way, I charge thee, I commission you, young Timothy, be therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, the living, and the dead, at his appearing, and his kingdom. Now, here's what he charged him. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. In other words, even when it's not, it's not a, a time that, that uh, you would be preaching, have something to say concerning the things of God. In other words, represent him in a good way. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the, listen to this, and we'll end this time. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. I want to stop there just for a second. And I want to say something before I move on farther. As an evangelist, God didn't give us the authority to become evangelists for our own sake. He gave you as a minister of music the authority to be, be an evangelist for his sake. And you sing about it in many songs this morning. You in the group. He gave you the authority to become an evangelist, not for your sake, but for his sake. Now remember, we're talking about the control and we're talking about the caring, and we're going to get to those in a little bit. But God has called all of us, each of us, individually to carry out a specific ministry in our lives for his sake and not for ours. What is that for? In other words, it's not to glorify ourselves or glorify our own lives, but to glorify Christ. And it is to bring people to the knowledge of Christ so that there may be salvation in their lives. So it's an oxymoron. So in one way, it's not for us, but it is for us. It's not for us for the sake of bringing glory to ourselves, but it is for us for the sake of being saved. It is for us for the sake of being changed. It is for us for the sake of being renewed, becoming a new creature in Christ. Does it make sense this morning? Is that making any sense? And so he calls us for a purpose, and that purpose for the, that first of that purpose is to be renewed in our spirit and to glorify him and to take this gospel out to those that are around us. Now, get back to what I was saying. It is not to be taken into our own power and me to try to take it to her 
and say, well, this is what God has given me, and this is how you have to do it. And if you don't do it this way, then um, you can't go to heaven, or you can't be saved. I'm not talking about outside of the gospel itself. I'm talking about my own way of doing things. I'm talking about trying to hold the gospel in a, in a, in a, in a way that's, that's evil. And I'm, try, I'm talking about deceiving people that the scripture speaks about. I'm talking about using it for the sake of making money because I'm not about, the, about a, a, a saving souls. I'm talking about taking advantage of people. And he said it's not for that. It's for bringing souls to the kingdom of God. Why? Because if my soul is not renewed and redeemed and changed, I'm going to spend the rest of eternity away from God. That's what death means. That's the final death. Death is a departing from the body of the soul. Well, the final death is departing from God, and from man from God for all eternity. That is the final phase of death. And I don't want to partake of that this morning. I want to know my place in God, and I want to work in my place in God. You've heard the saying, stay in your lane, man. Stay in your lane. Know where you are in Christ and operate in that. Listen, now I want to read some scriptures here out of, out of Romans. Real quickly, Romans 6. We need to understand who we are, what we are, and what our responsibilities are to not only ourselves, to God, but to those that are around us. 6 and 17. But God be thanked that ye were, I'm reading this because I just finished reading that for the time will come that when they will not endure sound doctrines. I want to stop there. Now, keep that in your mind, and I want to read this scripture. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. Now, Looking at all of these letters, all of these epistles that Paul had written, and the scriptures that I've given to you as a reference, the word servant is mentioned many times. So as an evangelist, we are also servants, and we are servants before anything unto God. But, be, but, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that, for, that form of doctrine which was delivered you. What is he speaking of here? If it had not been, and he, by the way, he's, he's speaking uh, concerning grace. If it had not been for the grace of God in our lives, none of us would be here this morning. I would venture to say some of us, I can speak for myself, would probably be eternally separated from Christ six feet under. But because of the grace of God, I'm an evangelist of the gospel this morning. And because of the grace of God, you represent him this morning. Not because of what you've done. Not because one day you felt this, this spirit as you were listening to some good old music, Christian music, that made you feel good and made you stomp your feet a little bit and made you clap your hand a little bit and made your soul feel good that you got up and said, now I'm going to live for God. It doesn't work that way. This is not about you. Anytime that you do anything 
that's good, that's righteous. It is the Spirit of God that leads you and draws you to do those things. Why? Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. It is the Spirit of God, the Scripture says, that draws us to do the good thing. Not my own goodness, Pastor Damon. It is the Spirit of God that does this in my life and in your life. Romans 16 and 17 Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Any of this doctrine that does not line up with the word and what you have been taught within your setting, leave it alone. If it does not glorify Christ, if it does not edify him, the body of Christ, if it's about bringing people down, talking about the pastor in a negative way, talking about the, the saints within the church in a negative way, something's wrong with that gospel. Something's wrong with that doctrine because that is not, let me say it again, that is not the doctrine of Christ. He says that's division. And he did not come to bring division. God is not the author. Listen, he is not the author of confusion, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. That sound mind is knowing where you stand, not being blown from every wind of doctrine, not being moved from everything that you hear, but knowing exactly where you stand. Is it easy always? No. Is it always going to be something that you want to do? No. It's just like being a father. You get up and you take care of the family, whether you want to or not, whether you feel like it or not. You get up in those early mornings and do what you got to do. You take out that trash. You take the kids to the doctor's department. Make sure mama's taken care of. Uh, make sure that the kids got a, a roof over their head. Whether you feel good or not, it's what you do. Well, living for Christ is that and some because this is the real deal. This is what he's called us to. It's like a fight. When you get into that ring, you understand. First of all, you've trained for this, this fight. And you understand that at any given time, regardless of your conditioning, you could be knocked out. Lights could be out. If he hits you the right time, the right place, the right spot, boom, and you hear that ding, 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 it's over with. It's over, buddy. You understand that. But you go into this fight knowing that unless you make an effort, you cannot win this fight. That's the life, the natural way of looking at it. But looking at it spiritually, I go to the back of the book, sister, and I find that we win. We win, we win, hallelujah, we win. I read the back of the book, and we win. That's the wonderful thing about living for Christ. And so we understand our place in Christ. And we work in, within our own lanes. I want to read this one. I was thinking about Pastor Derek when I saw this one. And I want to say this because Pastor Derek has really 
impressed me with his consistency in this area of his ministry. And that's the one reason why I am still here. Because of what he said in this area of his ministry has spoken more to me than anything. I've watched him more than I talk. You, you know as well as I do. We don't talk much, Pastor Derek and I, because of our schedule. But what I have watched is I'll come and I'll sit in this congregation and I watch what goes on. I worship, but I watch to see the glory of God come down and how it is received and how the pastor deals with the people that have a ministry in their lives. Well, I'm glad to say that I am really impressed. Not that it means anything, but I am impressed. And that's why I want to read this, this scripture, warning against false teachers and then uplifting those uh, that have been steadfast and unmovable. Let us, 1 Timothy 6 and 1, let us as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Servants, master, and meaning those in, in charge. That's all that is right now. That the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And that they, and they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved. Pastor Derek, partakers of the benefit. These things teach, come on somebody, and exhort. When you have a godly person within your midst who is doing what the scripture lays out, the scripture tells us it's okay to honor and to teach that, to honor that person. Why? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. If I'm following Christ, then follow me. When I step outside of the boundaries of righteousness, don't follow me. Get my drift, folks. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he's proud, knowing nothing, but doubting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, and evil submersions. So we're blessed to have a man that understands that consistency in righteousness is to weigh, it is the foundation to build a righteous church, to build a godly group of people as evangelists. How can you go out this morning and share as an evangelist if you have a foundation that's shaky? Got to have a strong foundation. Finally, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. What then are fables? Fables are untruths. Fables are made up stories. Unlike parables that are telling, that relate to something that actually happened, fables are just what they sound like, they're lies. Straight up, they're lies. And this is what people like this do 
when they refuse to follow the word of God as evangelists. As evangelists this morning, we've got to stay worded up. Can I say that? We say that back, way back in the day. When we first got saved as young people, we said, I'm worded up, brother. <laughs> we've got to stay worded up. In other words, we stay within the word of God. We know where we stand. We know where we're going. And we know whose we are. We belong to him. We are bought with a price and we're not our own this morning. And when we find someone that we can, we can follow that's, that's uh, following Christ and that's keeping themselves steadfast and immovable, um, always abiding in the work of the Lord, then we need to walk with, them pe- with those people. We need to understand that, that this is the right thing to do. Are you going to always agree with them? Uh-uh. You know why you're not going to always agree with them? Because they're human just like you're human. Are they always going to be right about life and issues? No, man. We can't just get up and walk out every time we get upset about something. Don't be blown and tossed and blown in all all directions with every wind that comes because you got your little feelings on your shoulders. Be strong. Be good evangelists. Know how to evangelize. Know how to carry what God has given you in your back pocket and share it. Or carry it in your heart and share it. Know Know whose you are this morning. And it's not about a number. I keep asking, what size church you have? We have a 700 people church, congregation, uh, size church, and blah, 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 this, this, that. And I said, well, you know what? From what I can see, we have a, a God-fearing group of people in our church. And so I'm proud to be a part of that. Hear what I'm saying? Does it make sense this morning? Represent... Not yourself, but represent Christ, first of all. And you can't go wrong. When you represent Christ, you can't go wrong. So that takes away the controlling side of evangelistic efforts. Regarding control, the Apostle Paul speaks to the Romans, standing in Romans, uh, starting in Romans 1 and 18, where he points to the wrath of God being revealed against those who dare to hold the truth regarding the gospel in what? Unrighteousness. Look here. If you know that there's only one, one Lord, one faith and one baptism, and you teach anything other than that, you're holding the truth in unrighteousness. And the wrath of God eventually will be poured out from heaven against you. You will be judged. That's my point. That's control. Don't use what God has given to you as a way of controlling God's people. Here's what I've noticed about Pastor Derek. I can say this. I can talk about him. He's gone now, so don't look like I'm doing brown nosing. Here's what I've noticed about that man. When young men and women or people of any age have a ministry in their lives. This is what I've noticed, what I've noticed, okay? You can agree or disagree. This is what I've noticed from watching him from a distance. When there's a call on their lives and they share that with this man, I've watched him work with these people. And I've watched him allow the Spirit of God blossom in their lives 
and let God use them. He doesn't try to control them from what I've seen. He doesn't try to mash them down from what I've seen. He pushes them. In fact, he's been hurt quite a few times, people taking advantage of him. And I'm going to say this, and I don't care what you think about it, this is what I've seen. I've seen people hurt him because of that. But I've watched his ministry where he let people come in as evangelists and he allowed them to work in their area that they say God has called them in. And he sit back and he sort of coaches them. And he loves them. The man is, for a young man of 40 years old, wise beyond his years in dealing with those sort of things. I've watched him. Shame on you if you have a desire to hold this truth as an evangelist in a way of controlling other people, including the pastor, and taking advantage of them. Shame on you, saints, if that is anything that you've ever done or that you're planning on doing. Shame on you. God's got something for you if you don't repent. You heard this saying, got something for you? God's got something for you. And I'm saying it out of a, I'm joking saying it, but it's the truth. You better watch yourself coming against God's men and women. I've seen it more than one time in my life. I've seen it more than twice. I've seen the power of God work in a way with people taking advantage of the people of God that you don't want to put yourself in that predicament. Trust me. If he's being kind to you, you better take that and be thankful and work with that in sincerity, in love, and don't take advantage of him. It'll come back on you just like that. And it comes when you least expect it. And you won't be one of those saying, how did this happen? Because you know, because you are walking in the same ways that we're walking, and you know the grace of God, and you know the judgments of God. So as an evangelist, you better know what you're doing, and you better know who you're doing it to. That's a special place in God's heart for, his, for those that carry the word. All of us do, but those that who are leading the rest of us, that's a special place. Whether you like it or not, it's the way God's got things set up. That's God's government. Be careful. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you do. It might come back to bite you. Now, listen to this. Webster Dictionary on Control, a spirit supposed to direct the actions and speech of a spiritualistic medium. What did you say? You heard it. So if you're a controlling individual and you've got, you're, you're carrying the word of God and using it as control, you know what? You're just as bad as a witch. He said, prove it. I'll prove it to you, friend. I'll take you to 1 Samuel 15 and 23. It says, for rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as, and as iniquity and adultery, because thou hast, and then, then he goes on to tell Saul, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. In other words, let me say this, he was speaking directly to, to Saul concerning his issues, but if you reject the things of God in your life, and the calling of God in your life, and the man of God that has called, that has, uh, that you're under, 
you will be rejected. You can't be blessed if you're not blessing. You can't be blessed if you're controlling and you're playing witchcraft. There's no blessing in trying to control folks, folk. There's no blessing in trying to do what you want to do outside of what God has called us to do. But there's a whole lot of blessing in submitting ourselves, our will, to his will. And working with him and watching things just unfold in a beautiful, blossoming bouquet of people. Now, concerning caring, here is a caring heart of God in operation of his sons and his daughters. In fact, the example of scripture, the scripture is uh, Galatians 4, 1 through 7. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the fathers. Even so, we, when we were children, were in the bondage under the elements of the world. We were one time children of this world, but now we adopted. We're, we're, now we can say, Abba, Father, he's ours now. We can call on to him. We have this heritage. But let me move on. With, I don't want to get carried away with this. Even so, we, have, we were children, were in abundance under the elements of this world, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the laws that might receive the adoption of sons. So now, we're in the adoption. The adoption has been completed. All the necessary paperwork has been done. And listen to this. When we do paperwork here, we try to take that paperwork, we put it in a safe spot and keep it. But when God has finished it all, he took the veil and he rent it. And it was over. It was done. No more do we have to worry about the, the issues, the, 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 the force, the, the strength of the law that it has in our lives, ahead in our lives. But now we are sons and daughters. We are a part of this caring evangelistic work in our lives, in your life, in your life. Because we have been bought with a price and we're not our own. To, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. Amen. John 15 and 15, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. So everything that I know, you know. For when we see him, the scripture says, we shall be like him. There's coming a day when we see things like Paul says, now sort of darkly, but we will see it, amen, just as it is when we see him on that day, sister. And I'm looking forward this morning to being a part, amen, of that glorious crowd that falls before him and says, holy 
Holy, holy Lord God Almighty, thou art holy. I want to be a part of that crowd on this morning. And I want to be a part of that crowd on that day. Hallelujah. I want to know this, this morning where I stand as, a, as a, an evangelist. And you should be concerned for where you stand as a caring evangelist over a controlling evangelist. I'm telling you, knowledge is power. When you know you're okay, when you don't know you're out to play because you don't know what's going on and, and you're at anybody's discretion to take advantage of you. You're at the enemy's discretion to take advantage of you. But we know who we, whose we are this morning. Will you stand with me this morning? Pastor Damon, you come up and start off with a song. Yeah, please. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling good in my spirit this morning. I have a, something in my heart for Pastor Derek right now to pray for him, that all is well. That God will keep his hands on him, bring him home safely to his honey and his babies and to us. You can go ahead and start singing, brother. Lord, we just want to, first of all, give your name praise and glory, for you are our, our king. You're Lord of lords and king of kings. Help us to enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise, and to be thankful and bless the holy and wonderful name, the name Jesus. We glorify you because you're our king. We glorify you because you're our God. We glorify you because you have rent the veil. We glorify you because of the grace that you bestowed upon each of us this morning. And right now we go before you, Lord, even as whatever he's doing right now, Pastor Derek, go into that room, go into that place, that congregation, bless him, keep him, speak to him, build him up, encourage him, let him know that you are God and that you are his God. And God, don't just do that, minister to his needs, but God, bring him home safely. Bring him home safely with a spirit of praise on, him, on his heart. Bring him home with a spirit of rest. Give him peace, not only in his spirit, but give him peace in his physical body. And then my prayer is that you touch Sister Angie right now and let her know that all is well and give her peace. Give his babies peace right now wherever they are. Let them know that all is well and that is in your hand, God. God, we give you praise because we represent you this morning. And we represent you, Lord, in the highest way. For we are evangelists. And we will be until the day that you call us home. You tell us in your word that we should keep ourselves ready and that we should always give praise unto you and to stay busy until you come. I pray those that are discouraged this morning are encouraged by the word, by your spirit, and speak to their minds, speak to their souls, and let them know that you are as close as the mentioning of your name. Teach those that don't know that they have power, more than any power on this earth, and all that they have to do is to call the name Jesus. There's a power in the name Jesus. Can somebody say it with me this morning, Jesus? There's a power in the name Jesus. 
The scripture says that demons tremble at the mentioning of that name. So Lord, when we come together as a people and we call on the name Jesus, things that are seemingly impossible all of a sudden become possible. So we give your name the praise this morning. As an evangelist, I give your name the praise. As stepping out by faith and doing a work of an evangelist, evangelistic works, I give your name the praise. And I pray for this congregation this morning, giving them the wisdom, giving them the mindset, giving them the wherewithal, and giving them the heart to give your name all the praise that's due it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brother.